Listener Production. Philippa Sibley is the quintessential Melbourne hospitalitarian. And I say that because hospitality runs through her veins. She has worked hard in her life and she's enjoyed the kind of success and the adulation you'd expect from one of this country's best chefs. The heady days of Est Est Est, Lux and Ondine were a whirlwind. They were game-changing. They were inspired, seat-of-the-pants stuff that she talks about with both pleasure and also pain. Since then, Philippa has worked for some of Melbourne's best restaurants, including Prefix, Albert Park Food and Wine, Syracuse, just to name a few. The list is long, believe me. But right now, she's very confident and at ease with herself working alongside long-term friend Karen Martini-King at Hero at Agni. This is an honest and revealing interview. And just a heads up, we do talk about some heavy topics, including alcohol addiction. Philippa, welcome to the studio. You know, I remember when uh, you and Donovan, and this is going back a long time ago, of course, were really the pinups of... Melbourne hospitality. Like, I remember looking at you guys and just going, my God. It was a bit of a renaissance, wasn't it? Oh, like, you know, that, and it's actually along here, along Clarendon Street, the other end of Clarendon Street. It must feel weird when you come along. Little shop front up the top end Mm. that was essentially a door into uh, one of Australia's best restaurants. Yeah. Yeah. It was a a pretty amazing time. People could say things like that a a, a lot, but because I was inside the bubble, and it was so crazy and yeah. hectic, and and we didn't have facilities really yeah. either. Yeah, I remember the kitchen. Like there was oh, nothing in it. Wasn't it was it? A, it was, like it was a lean-to on opening night. Donovan yeah. had to hold the the door of the oven closed with his foot. Yeah, so it nearly fell off. It, and you know, of course, we, <laughs> everyone wanted to go. So it was all restaurant chefs and restaurateurs and and stuff, and we yeah. were totally disorganised and. But isn't that the essence? And I didn't mean this to be the first question. I can redirect it if you want, but all of a sudden I just got that. No, we're in the stomping ground. We're in my my old stomping ground. Yeah, you actually, you're walking down the street and you're going, hang on a minute, you know, before work, after work, et cetera. But I remember that, that, isn't that really the essence when I think about it of what a great restaurant is? It is the owners are there, you know, they're kind of screwed into the place. Yeah, well, literally, we just, we, we actually did the renovations. So, we were still high on paint fumes and putty when so, we, yeah, when paint, we opened. Paintbrush in hand and yeah. trying to make it look like a restaurant. Yeah, Frank Heaney with his top off and smoking Marlboros and <laughs> ripping tiles off, and oh, it was it was mental. Crazy times. I think yep. even Ray and maybe you know a number of other kind of fans had or friends had just gone in to just try and help. You know. Yeah, yeah. We had a lot of a lot of ring-ins. It was it was pretty amazing, and I, I still get people saying on Instagram and stuff. Oh, I remember when I did a. A stage there, remember stages? Yeah, stages where people. Uh, yeah. For those listeners that don't know what a stage is, basically it means it's like an internship. Let's yeah, put it in. Pretty much that most sense. of my the first ten years of my career, yeah. where you volunteer your services in a place that you really want to learn skills. Yeah, in yeah, and you go and exactly. work for free. Essentially, you can't yeah. do it anymore. So no, you don't go on a break like halfway through a brioche, like people do now. Yeah. Anyway, I, I don't, <laughs> don't start you on that one. <laughs> don't start. <laughs> um, yeah, and you know, one girl recently said, oh, "I remember when I did a stage at, at um, Estes Dest, and I thought Philippa was an apprentice." Why on earth would she? I don't. I think have that? no idea. I don't know. Maybe just could, because it, it was unusual. No, no, I'm not so much sure that it was unusual then, but maybe it was just unusual that the owners and the operators were like head down, bum up, and mm. driving every element of everything that went out of that kitchen. Though. Yeah, absolutely. It's a strange environment, isn't it? Because when you when you talk about well, when we talk like this, you know, I think probably because of television. Television's done oh, it. People yeah. think about, you know, being in food, being romantic and this lovely yeah. idea of 
you know, feeding people, which in essence is yeah. what you enjoy, but there's a real kind of hard line between the reality of working hard and producing food for a customer mm. and the and Lots the of joy. customers, not just Lots one. Not one. What, not, not just one three time. judges, yeah. <laughs> you know. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And, the, and the reality of, yeah, it's hard yakka, right? And doing And there's it not a lot day. of joy in it sometimes, I think. That's no. the hardest thing. Well, there's not. It, that's, that's the thing that sifts people out. I guess. I mean, I, I love it. I'm a lifer. Mm. You know, I love all of it. I love every part of it. I love the, I love the prep as long as it's not monotonous and I can handball it. And that, that's, the, you know, the beauty of being, in getting up in charge. You mm. get, you get to do fewer of the crappy jobs, but I love the build up to service. I love service. I love the expediting. I love the performance of it, you know, and, and I the love, stress of it. As and well. the stress of it. Yeah. It's, um, Every day is different, you know, it's creative, but yeah, it's hard yakka. Mm. I mean, my hand modelling days are over, that's for, that's for <laughs> fucking sure. <laughs> so if I drag you back into that little restaurant, because I want this, obviously questions I could tag on to what you've just said, but if I drag you back into that restaurant, how many years ago is that that you would have been? 97. Top of the heap. So 97. Yep. Long time ago. That's a, yeah, 22 long, years ago. Yeah, it's a long time ago. Mm. And then you went from Estes to and you opened Lux. I opened Lux. That was, that was a bit of a bittersweet. We kind of shot ourselves in the foot with that a bit. But that was a great restaurant. It was fabulous. And, and a bit, it was a bit of a game changer as well. We were doing a lot of the prep actually at Estes Test, mostly because we had a vacuum seal machine there mm. and the kitchen was pretty small at Lux as well. But that went gangbusters. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. For some reason, I've just remembered Clafuti. Clafuti were featured, yeah, definitely, and terrines, and we we didn't we couldn't find anywhere that really that we wanted to go and eat, so we kind of opened one, which yeah. was so like a solid bistro because that's yeah, what it, it was felt a like, bistro, it? Yeah. classic bistro food, and we had and amazing cool. chefs. I mean, we had Karen White, who I worked with at the Canteen in London, yeah. and we had Rita McCarley. Oh my god, oh, you know oh. what a team! And we had Simon Denton on the floor, and it was a killer. It, was it actually felt like to me, I mean, for people that don't remember it, it was, it was kind of quintessential Melbourne dining for me. It was. So yeah. it was very cool. It felt a bit, you know, like people mm. in black and mm. especially on a winter's day and it was on a street that you wouldn't really expect yeah. a great restaurant to be. So all, yeah. the, all the things that kind of make Melbourne dining interesting, it kind of captured, I think. Mm. Was and it deliberate or did it some of this no, just kind I don't of fall th- into I don't think restaurants, I don't think anyone can say what they've opened is deliberate. I mean, it, the customers define what. The restaurant becomes. I mean, we had a smoking section. Half of it was smoking. That's how long ago it was. <laughs> so half the restaurant was smoking, and half the restaurant was not. Yeah, how, how does, does that, that work? work? Ridiculous! <laughs> it's like having a smoking section on a yeah. plane. How <clears throat> exactly. Does that work? <laughs> <laughs> so that's how long ago it was. And you know, the, the opening week, we were pulling in um, milk crates for people to sit on because we didn't have enough chairs mm. and. We were the first to do the boxes with the cutlery and the oh, yeah. napkins and stuff in. Yeah. My dad made those and the pep grinders and, you know, it was it was fun. It was – sometimes it was too much fun, to be honest. No one else was doing anything like it really. Yeah. It was pretty funky. And I think what it does is and, – and as a chef or as chefs, you tend to forget why people go out to eat or why they like it or what mm. defines the restaurant. And, it you know, you think it's just the thing you're putting on a plate, but it can yeah. be – well, Tiny details that just make absolutely. a place. It's the S-S-S-S was a SSS was a dump, really. I mean, when we first opened. Yeah, but when the lights are down, you can't see. Yeah, it was like great. It looked like <laughs> Jurassic Park in there. No, it was green carpet, green chairs, that bizarre Perspex fake plant atrium uh, pond out the back that was always had, mm. you know, it was just. 
See, I don't remember any of that. And you know mm. why? Because the lights were always really low. Really? And I think deliberately <laughs> so, because I remember saying, why are the lights so low? Yeah. That was obviously the reason. Yeah. Don't look at the furniture. Yeah. We was did, that what it was? It does. Yeah. Initially it was. We did fix <laughs> We did fix it up after about six months. I think we got a proper stove in, a, you know, we got a solid top mm. in and stuff. What do you reckon the, you know, for you when you look back, because obviously it was a very, it was a incredibly successful time, but it was a difficult time too. What are, you, what are you most proud of when you think back? You go, yeah, that's what I hang my hat on with that. So we got a book deal pretty much straight away. Yeah. That's a, a bit of a culty kind of book now. Yeah. I wish I had one. You don't have one? <laughs> no. I've got one in the bookshelf somewhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah um, that was pretty amazing. So why was it special? Why did, why did it feel special? Um, or why does it feel special now? It invokes memories for me now. We, we just did everything ourselves. We worked like we slept on, underneath the bonquettes. We, you know, it was real, you know, seminal kind of stuff. Gee, it's a blur though, Gary. It really yeah. is a blur. I think and, what I remember most, and I don't want to keep interrupting you, but I mean even out of that book, for example, I think there's a barramundi dish with yeah. very finely and, shredded snow yeah. peas and celery right? And it's, yeah, and it's still remember that dish. It's mm, really beautiful. With caviar, like um, a velouté with caviar, which yeah. was kind of a, a bit of a homage to the sorrel, salmon sorrel tuagro dish in a way. Yeah. But also something that, I don't know how, how I came up with that, but yeah. I came up with a lot of those things in that book, by the yeah. way, not just that's the right. pastry. We can, we, not just can, the pastry. We can talk about that. I think that's actually one of the questions <laughs> yeah. about pastry. But that, that's, that's dishes like that, when mm. I think back on them, that kind of set the standard for that type of restaurant. Like mm. it looks simple on the outside, but requires yeah. enormous Lightly smoked is what it was That's as right. well. And Absolutely. steamed, yeah. So, yeah, that simplicity kind of amplified. And I remember too you started producing chocolates. Yeah. So not only had you got two restaurants, you got a book, <clears> and we're talking best restaurants in Melbourne. Yeah. You started a line of chocolates. So, like, you had five I'd ta- burning I'd on I'd started that before. I'd, I oh, actually started that before, and that was just something I, I learned in France when I did my year's worth of stage in France. Oh, yeah. my God. To hone my pastry skills because Donovan had no pastry experience. So if if all those wonderful things were going on, what was happening that wasn't great at that time? Because you certainly, you hit a wall at some stage, didn't you? Like with all restaurants, I mean, you know, it's a a difficult business. Lux was um, a bit of a catalyst in in shutting down. Oh, GST, hello. Oh, GST. That kicked in. Yeah, okay. That kicked in halfway through. That was not ruinous, but that was a... You know, that was a bit Another of a, bit of a slug, yeah. yeah. And, you know, I think it was a star, you know, it burnt brightly and then it kind of, I wouldn't want to be there still. You know, we were there, I think it was a two, two and a half years yep. or something and um, we were mismanaged. I mean, we were cooks, you know. We weren't business people and we weren't really in it for the, we were in it for the accolades and the, you know, the the rock and roll. We weren't in it for the money. But um, we we. We needed to pull the pin while we were still looking okay. Yeah. You know, if it had really faded out and, you know, that would have been a bit depressing. But So do you think that would have been worse if you just kept running it for 15 we years? We wouldn't and have been able to. look back and yeah. go, well, I remember when it was this. Yeah, I remember when it was good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no. So. Do you think that would have been a worse outcome? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Do you, do you remember the moment when you realised that it, you, you couldn't do this anymore? No, it was a long, it was a long burner. It was, it, it It was grinding you down. It was, yeah, it took a long time to, I mean, it was mostly financial. Yeah. Because food costs as well. We were just not mindful of that sort of thing. We were just, you know. Yeah. 
But it's a scourge of the kind of restaurant industry. Mm. You get all these, you know, I mean, a benefit of experience and yep. hindsight, of course. But, you know, as you get older, you see, and I always think that the best restaurants are run and the best food is young people that have got energy and drive. And it's do you know what I mean? Yeah, you know, I kind of think yeah. that there's a, they're doing it for those very reasons. They're not doing mm. it for the money. They're not doing it for anything else. Mm. They're doing it because they want to be the best. And yep. I think there's a time frame very kind of firmly attached to that where mm. your priorities change and then you yeah. go, I can't do what's this anymore. What's the point? Yeah. Well, maybe, yeah, maybe, yeah, you maybe you're that worn down that you go, what's the point? But mm. maybe you can't do it anymore. You know, that you got a young family or that, you know, your priorities change and that, you know, that kind of constantly kind of like you know, sport. Yeah. That's like it is. You, lose your fi- you lose your fitness. This is sounds really bizarre, but I'm really lucky because I've physically, despite not looking after myself, have, <laughs> have still got my knees and my feet. Mm. Like some people just can't cook anymore because they physically can't stand yeah. up for that long anymore. Yeah, that's right. It's hard yakka. Yeah. You know? I think it was actually you because you, mu- you must have done a stint at Phoenix for some reason. You came and helped mm. us out. And I think you had, and this it was is nine a long... Mu- it was nine months. Was it? Yeah. I was like, do you say like that was a long <laughs> nine months? It was months. a fucking long, long nine months. <laughs> I remember, and correct me if I'm wrong because I may have confused things because it would have <clears> been early 2000s or, or mm. thereabouts. I think you had, a, the, what are those things, you used, count your steps, you used to put them on your... Uh, waistband. Fit, fit. Yeah, pedometer. You said to me one day, you said, oh, my God, I think you'd done like a double shift and finishing late. You'd yeah. done 44,000 steps. Yeah, probably. Because and I went, I w- is that a lot? <laughs> and now the health advice is if you do 10,000 steps a day. Yeah. And actually I remember at the time thinking, yeah, it's like a bloody workout. It's like a yeah. aerobics workout. You a know? marathon. Yeah, because yeah. you're constantly moving, you're in and out of the fridge, you're bending over, you're picking yeah. stuff up, you're putting stuff in the yeah. oven. And if you tracked your movements. Exactly. 44,000 yeah, steps, yourself. Uh, Philip, yeah, Sibley, yeah. I remember that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wow. Look where it got <laughs> so, me. <laughs> so you did all right. No, you did all right, didn't you? Um, where did the journey for you as a chef start? Like was it something when you were a kid you go, this yes. is what I want to do? No, I didn't want to do it as a job. I wanted to be, you know, a vet or a princess or a Princess would know, have been a pretty good job. Yeah, yeah, I it wouldn't have suited me though. <laughs> <laughs> Rock and roll princess. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, or designer. I wanted to be a teacher for at one, at some stage because I thought, oh, teachers get the weekend off. But I always love cooking, always love cooking. Dad used to joke, oh, you know, she if there's nothing to cook in, she'll go and pull up some grass out of the garden. I think I was 14 when I started cooking dinner for mm. the family. But and did it come from your mum or yeah, from your dad or from you? From your mum? Well, yeah, definitely the cooking and the entertaining part came from my mum. And the craftiness came from my dad. Okay. Dad was a real craftsman. And moments when you were younger that you remember cooking with your mum or something that she still cooks? Oh, no, I remember the dinner parties they used to have. Okay. They were insane. I remember the the minesweep afterwards. What's a a minesweep? What, clearing (laughs) it all up? (laughs) No, no, no. The next morning when they were in bed hungover, because, I mean, they they used to do, this is the 70s, they used to do progressive dinners, hilarious. Like they used to have two martinis before even leaving the house and they usually the time of the chicken volivon and the smoked mussels and oh no my mum was doing pig, pigeon up. pie and and, oh, and fancy stuff. yeah she is great and they'd usually end up at our place for dessert so that's where it would all come you know crumbling down and then the next mornings we'd my sister and I'd get up and we'd mind sweep so we'd eat all the leftovers or drink all the leftovers sherry on the tables and, you know, it, just, it was uh, probably a really bad start and it led me in some bad directions. But 
that was great, you know, the mind sweep. It was so always, the pleasure of eating. Yeah, leftovers. From the, oh, and, you know, that he lobster thermidor with ciggies put out in it and stuff. <laughs> the 70s. So what tipped you into cooking? I mean, did you leave um, school thinking you'd honestly end up doing something else or? No, yeah, I wanted to get into graphic design or something right. like that. I think I didn't get in. Um, my first proper job was, well, there's a couple of proper jobs, but my first real restaurant job was Tansy's. Okay. Uh, that was in 89. I don't know, it's so long ago, man. Yeah, it's, it's 35, right. like 35 it years. Even but, hearing the name Tansy's and yeah. a lot of people might not know where that was, but Tansy, good, and partner. Mark Boughton. Mark Boughton, there you go were names that were kind of, when I arrived in Australia, were the places yep. to go. Tansy's, you had to go. Three yeah, hats. absolutely. It yeah. was on the list. you yeah. got to go. Beautiful. Friend. And they were institutions, you know. Mm. And I went in and, and did a trial and got the job. They didn't ask to see any papers or anything. And then I white-knuckled it for every single morning of my life on the way there. It was terrifying. And it was still Because he was terrifying and she was awesome. They're both amazing cooks, but they were nuts, totally nuts. And, you know, he was a bully. He was awful. They weren't good teachers either. That's the thing that tyrant and teacher sort of, the, the there's a fine line. Is that a fine line? But, you know, I remember being asked to make mayonnaise and I said, well, how do you want me to make it? And they what do you mean? You don't know how to make mayonnaise? Oh, I'll do it myself. You know, yeah. I'm here to learn. I mean, I've made mayonnaise at home, but I don't want to. Yeah, you know, whole so egg it's like, or yolk. Like they're setting or, you up constantly. You know, he was constantly Dijon mustard or yeah, not. You know, there's lots setting, of reasons. Isn't well, I had it? no experience really. He it, con- he was constantly setting us up to fail so he could bollock us. That yeah. that's that was the setup the but, whole time. But also their inability to deal with their stress, obviously. Yeah, absolutely. And much easier to explain. How yeah. to make mayonnaise than to yeah, this is how we want it. let it go. Here's a recipe, no recipes. Um, and, you know, I wish I'd kept my prep lists from there because they were insane. And, but I learnt a lot. You know, I'd be um, breaking down hairs and then doing puff pastry up, having to run upstairs and t- do another turn on the puff pastry. And then, you know, the, I, I'm like, the ice cream stress was just thinking, oh, my God, I might have left the lid off the ice cream last night. I, as I was getting in there, the stress. Yeah, the worst of hospitality. Horrible. We've got lots of mm. those of us that are that age, this age. Mm. Unfortunately, I've got quite a lot of those stories. Oh. Which, thankfully, until you start bringing them up, of course, that mm. I go, no, I've forgotten about that. That doesn't yeah. exist. So you went to work at France. Was this was this shortly after? Does this connect dots? You know, did you? No. Or was there a long time in between? Well, you? I went to I went to London, and through sheer luck and like being in the right place at the right time, met. Someone that worked at Harvey's. Right. Um, this and, is with Marco Pierre White. Yeah, and got really, really drunk at a party and said, "Can you can I go and do a stage there?" And he said, "I'll organise it," and he did. And then I was, that was it. I had to do it. And it was the scare, honestly, the scariest yeah. thing I've ever done. Well, one of the scariest things I've ever done. I won't tell you what the other thing was, but um, why not? <laughs> Because <laughs> it involves having a baby. Okay. And what happens afterwards. <laughs> um, <laughs> terrifying. Um, but forcing myself to do that is why I'm where I am today. 
Vicky. In a good place or yeah. not in a good place? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because oh. I was going to say, how did out of all of those Michelin-style restaurants in London at the time, mm. how on earth did you gravitate towards? Because I reckon the only other harder kitchen would have been Le Tonclair, for example. Mm. Le Tonclair and Harvey's at the time would have been yeah. top of the tree Le Tonclair probably would have been harder because so it wasn't rock and roll. Um, well, that. I white heat, obviously. Yeah. Um, but Which I didn't go book. there. I didn't go there in search of a stage at Harvey's. It was. Lo- I went to a party. My sister was living in Wandsworth, which is where Harvey's was. I didn't yeah. even realise that. Went to a party, met this guy. He worked in, in the kitchen uh, casually at Harvey's and it was just luck. And I was, oh, I'd always had a bit of a axe to grind re Marco saying women in kitchens, they're, too, they're delicate and they're yeah, clean they out, cleaner creatures and blah, all that sort of crap. So I thought, well, you know, one day I'm going to go and... And it him. just, it happened, you know. So I walked in the back door out of Harvey's and these absolute ragamuffin rat bag chefs were in there, only four of them, um, Michael Lambie, Donovan Cook, Roger Pisey and Lee, can't remember his surname, but Gordon Ramsay had just left. And that was a crappy kitchen as well. It was, you know, a bit estes desty. It was broken down. Yeah. and I'm seeing a pattern here. <laughs> not not in recent times, but back then you seem yeah. to get Tansy's, I was going to say, was actually probably very much like Estes Yeah. You know, little yeah. local, tiny, little, tiny yeah. restaurant, shitty kitchen. Yeah. And, yeah, Harvey's would have, you know, if you think of all the glitzy kind of five-star hotel-based yeah. restaurants at the time, no, Harvey's was in opposition to oh, that. Oh, absolutely. It was, it was tiny and um, kind of grotty and the guys were really grotty, you know, wearing stretched out tracky bottoms and trainers and all hung over and techno blaring and Marco wasn't in the kitchen. He wasn't there very often. I spent, I think, the weekend uh, the weekend working there and um, went out with all the lads on the Sunday night and then flew home. So it was a, a visit and then I, I kind of stayed in touch and went back yeah. six months later. So is that where you met Donovan? Yeah. That's where I met Donovan. Your future partner. Mm. So went back six months later and got a job at Coglino's, I think, which is insane. Yeah. That was insane. Lots of big money, caviar. Huge. Um, you know, gorgeous raw food. bar, huge kitchen. I did all nine sections there, including being the first on the first woman on source. That was pretty awesome. Um, pissed off quite a few boys from the, what's that big Scottish hotel? Glen Eagles. Yeah. But those were, I mean, if you think, when was that? Are we talking, when was that? 90, uh, that 93, would have been 94? 93, 94. Yeah. yeah. So and you're talking the days when really women were just starting, especially those big kind of established kitchens were only mm. really letting the reins go. I mean, at the Connell, we only had two two women and they mm. were both in the pastry. Yeah. Ridiculous. ridiculous. I didn't do pastry there, actually. Uh, I ended up do it, running out of interest there because it was all, everything was big prep. It was yeah. Lot. I don't, I don't like that. I don't like lots of, I'm too. Well, I think it was, if you think about it, it was the first, you know, big kind of brasserie because I think it was very loosely based on La Coupole or something like that mm. in Paris. It was a 900-seater. Yeah. So it was massive yeah. and busy. And badly designed. The kitchen was badly designed. Yeah. So I went to the canteen, Marco's canteen, yeah. which was pretty amazing as well. Yeah. I was lucky enough to eat there, I think, mm. you know foie gras terrain and, yeah. you know, 
all this kind of thing, really yeah. lovely. But in a, in a, I think it was in the Docklands, wasn't it? It, was, it, it was, seemed yeah. like out on a limb it was. at the time. You know, you had to kind of travel there. Yeah, to, it was. It was, a, it was Chelsea Harbour. I love making this series and I hope that you love listening too. If you do, subscribe and send us a message because believe it or not, we actually read those messages. What we want to know is what you think about the show, more importantly about the conversations that we have with our guests. We love hearing from you. That's what I'm trying to say. And if you're feeling like it, maybe even recommend the show to a friend. You never know, they might find it as delicious as you do. So can we talk a bit about what you're doing now? Because, you know, your career, when you look at your resume, I mean, just tell us where you've worked. Because Melbourne's can't. in your veins. Come on. Yeah. You've, you know, uh, in Melbourne, you mean? When you start listing I, have, it out, I can go backwards, I guess. You don't have to do the whole lot, but, you know, you put um, obviously S test tested on team, but more recent years. Circa. Yeah. Circa was good. Then. Going to struggle listing them now, aren't you? Uh, Albert, Albert Street Food and Wine. Yeah. In Sydney Road. That was pretty amazing. Um, I've got them written down here. Syracuse. Syracuse was another one. Yeah. So pretty much prefix. Prefix. That was kooky. Yeah, was another one. Um, And then, I mean, and we're just listing them because you've essentially kind of underpinned some of Melbourne's best restaurants now for about 20 years, I reckon. It's got to be that, hasn't it? I guess so. And then you found yourself at Hero working with Karen Martini, who you worked with. On and off since 89. Tansy days. Yeah, because I I worked with, uh, I worked for her at um, the George uh, Melbourne Wine Room. Yeah. They were crazy days as well. well, Crazy days. Um, So, what does that feel like? Working with Karen. Yeah. Oh, man. Beautiful new restaurant. Yeah. Food's delicious. Yeah. Well, I was at the European and loving it, but I was pastry chef there, which, you know, and Karen had just before, literally the day before uh, the whole COVID. Karen and I had a meeting because I'd done a bit of consulting with her in Sydney and she said, you know, Acme, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, wow, sounds cool. She said, yeah, um, we'll talk about it more later in the week. And then kablooey, it was all over for six months and I didn't even hear from her. And then she got in contact with me again, said, come and have a look. And I was just, what? I was not expecting that. Gorgeous kitchen all just fall into place and I love it and she, she and I are kindred spirits in the kitchen you know we're on the definitely on the same wavelength and mm. page and yeah it's it's ideal I get to be creative I get to teach people from scratch Karen's a ripper it's like getting the band back together a little bit you know I've got Denton and Michael Sapuntis and a Chris Connell design place so yeah. it's got it's 90s for me, yeah. you know, it's and almost a bit luxury. central Melbourne stuff, isn't it? Yeah, it's a bit like luxury again, stuff. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, favourite things on the menu that you're enjoying doing? Um, I've just made some beautiful terrines where we're doing some little filled pastas. Me and my buddy tributes to Chockey Bars. I'm doing a like a after eight type dessert. Okay, which is, which is like fun. a little mint chocolate number, yeah. I presume. yeah. So, so what about ideas like the, um, and I, I'm just throwing these out there because this is what I found delicious when I ate there, but it's kind of very, really simple stuff like the charcuterie is amazing, the focaccia with the fermented, oh, yeah, with the uh, fermented blueberries. blueberries. It's really simple in the yeah. curd, mm. but it's just like nice, yeah. you know, homemade deliciousness. Yeah, and experience and 
like I think I said to you on that night, I said, look, we're, we're kind of in a good place because we're jaded. What does that mean? Well, we're not trying to prove anything to anyone gotcha. anymore. You know, it's like... Um, you're comfortable. You're well, not jaded. You're well, comfortable com- with well, what you full know. Full circle kind of thing. Yeah. You know, this is what, this is, what is yummy. We know, we know now. We've been doing it for so long that, you know, this is a no-brainer, but it's kind of hard to get right. Is there a freedom now, I suppose, in not chasing anything else other than just enjoying your cooking? You know, like you're not chasing accolades or, yes, you know, do you know what great, I mean? It's, yeah, you're absolutely. You're cooking for yourself and yeah. you're enjoying yourself doing yeah, it, right? exactly. And I le- I, a lot of that I personally learned a lot during the first big lockdown. Right. Because I just got to cook <clears throat> for people every night something different. So my repertoire was, you know, things that I'd never done before that I got to do. Yeah. And for example? Are we talking about, you know, like homestyle yeah. dishes? That yeah, homestyle dishes. You just like cook Irish stew or yeah, Irish lasagna stew. or? Yeah, Irish stew, um, Kalubiak. Oh, yeah. I did a Kalubiak. Which is like which a salmon pie. Salmon Russian dish uh, yeah. for the czars they used to make. But it's, it was so complicated. Brioche, yeah, brioche, um, salmon, saffron rice, chopped egg, uh, duck cell, um, all wrapped up in herb crepes and then brioche. Yeah. With a it's lemon, a lemon, you know, lemon sauce. Yeah, you're talking to a caviar. guy from Connell. We used to have the coolie back yeah. on like every Tuesday or yeah, something. Yeah, but you can't trolley. do it in a restaurant. No, you can't do it in a restaurant. Not. It's a it's a dinner party dish. Wellington isn't it? I did beef Wellington really properly for the first time. That's not a restaurant dish. Yeah, not really. No. Yeah, it's a dinner not party su- dish, you're right. It's not successful. So is, was this a business you started? Was this take... Three or something? Oh, no, this you, was just cooking at home. This was just so cooking just with James. Oh, with you, just yeah. at home? And we made we made friends with a couple of the other people in the okay, apartment so block yeah. and just used So this to, is lockdown therapy, not yeah. like starting a little business and no, feeding no, no, people that from was your lo- that was that was the second lockdown. Ah. That was that was side hustle from – I needed to do that because okay. I'd just got my own place half yeah. an hour, signed a lease half an hour before – Lockdown and I needed to no, make some money. Needed to make some money. Get extra creative. money. Yeah. Got you. So this is more like lockdown therapy. You were just cooking and yeah. Going. A lot of people yeah. did this. Yeah, it was great. I'd watch Jane drink all her amazing wine, and uh, <laughs> and wake up without a hangover. It was great. Because you don't drink anymore. No, it? four and a half years. That's amazing. Mm, I did exhaust my quota though. Let's face it. What, what? <laughs> <laughs> Tell it. Were you, are you happy to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. Why, why did Why did you give up alcohol? Because I didn't want to die. Is that the that long was pretty and short bad. of it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was it was pretty bad. And it, it was just ruinous. Um you know, it didn't suit me. It's a tough thing to do though, isn't it? To make oh, the yeah, decision to I made the decision stop. several times. Okay. Yeah. But um yeah, it was And it what's was going tough. through I mean, I hate to push you, but no, 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 do it. I'm you know, it's like the I don't even of, get triggered. It's like a scourge of hospitality. It's pressure release and it becomes a habit and mm. Maybe it's a sign of success. I remember, for example, you drinking champagne when we, oh, yeah, but when you had it, Lux, you know, and it was, you know, you, you were working different. hard that's and different. partying hard. Mm. So what's different? Where's the where's the? Well, line? I just start, started drinking secretly, and okay. uh, and uh, all the time. So it was. It's a totally different thing from just getting pissed on champagne, right? Um, and going out and partying because I wasn't partying. I was just de partying. <laughs> I right. don't know. Um, but yeah, that it just became a big problem. And do you like reckon- it does for some people and not others. How do you recognise that? Do you is it something you just know and you keep in a secret and you're thinking you're fine? Oh no, or- it was it was pretty. It was bad. It was really bad. It was bad. It was um, and pe- people knew and 
you know, it was um, 35 kilos down from since I stopped drinking that. So it was ruinous to my looks and health and I got very sick and hospitalised and right. seizures when I tried to stop. And it was bad. It was really bad, Gary. So it's not it, was, like it, wasn't, a- it wasn't just a, oh, I, I drink too much. Gotcha. It's it not was, a wake-up moment where I'm going, I'm affecting other people around me. It's a, oh, it's that, a serious it, That went on the, for years. No, right. this was, you know, seizures and bad, bad stuff. Yeah. So um, I thought I could give up without help and I did and I had a seizure in the kitchen and it was terrible. So, yeah, that's definitely um, past. Thank but goodness. four years, that's... Four and a half years, That yeah. four and a half years is amazing. Yeah, it's And great. you should be shouting oh, it I haven't even, I haven't even had a... After the second, third re- relapse, I, have, I haven't looked back. Yeah. You know, it's Takes not... It, I, not I, always, I only remember the bad stuff now. From that period? From just drink, drinking in general. Okay. I have good memories of flavours and tastes and stuff, but it was so long, bad for so long that I don't remember the... Like, I don't get triggered... From thinking, oh, wouldn't it be nice to have it? Yeah. yeah, because it's all associated with yucky, terrible, yucky stuff. Terrible yeah. part of yeah. your of your life. Yeah. Do you know when the the lowest part was for you? Oh, there, there, there was too. There's too many to mention. But having to go to hospital, um, waking up in hospital was pretty bad, and and detoxing in hospital was pretty horrible. Um, but the second time, or the the final time that I gave up, I did it at home, uh, train spotting style. <laughs> You know, with the, well, locked in a room, yeah, locked in sweating a room, and yeah, and, with buckets and and not tins of mushroom soup. But if, you know, if anyone who hasn't seen it, but <laughs> um, I couldn't even plug in my phone. My hands were shaking, so I couldn't use my computer because I couldn't do anything. Yeah. So that was three days of you know Valium and and being fully dressed just in case I had to go to hospital. Right. Once that was over, that was that was it. And I've never looked back. Yeah. So when you, you know, because I've always admired people that don't drink. I mean, I actually drink less now because just, and it's not even any comparison, but it's, I look at it now and go, I'll go out with the idea of, you know, smashing a bottle of wine and having Mm. a great time. And actually I feel shit. You know, I feel terrible in the morning. And I love Oh, the smugness in the morning is the Uh, best. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Actually, there is a little smugness when you don't drink and you get up and you're full of beans, isn't it? But I just go, the whole of my life has been centered around food and wine. Mm. And then it just gets dragged into everything that you do, you know. So when you find yourself having a glass of wine on a, I don't know, a Sunday afternoon, it all seems, you know, lovely and wonderful. But actually, I feel shit in the evening. So Mm. I just don't. Maybe it's me getting older and not coping with it so well. But I just, I actually think, if I'm going to enjoy a beautiful wine, then I don't need to drink the whole bottle. Mm. It's a really. Well, I can I can enjoy a beautiful wine by just by smelling it, and I've done that a lot. And I've yeah. tasted a lot of beautiful wine anyway already, and I've got yeah, a so good you know, memory. You've got a good repertoire. I've got a, I've got a good memory for it. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I really dislike people who are evangelical about drinking or get, you know giving up anything really. But, and what do you mean by that? Well, I didn't do AA or any of that sort of stuff. Yeah. And why not? Because uh, I'm not a sharer. Well, right. I am now. I'm sharing now, but <laughs> you are I'm not a share. Now. I'm not a sharer, and I'm yeah. not really interested. In, I don't like being embarrassed for other people either. Quite yeah. frankly, you know, it's not a group effort. It's you. Mm, yeah, yeah. yeah High power. Yeah, fair enough. It takes a lot of it strength. It works for mo- a lot of people, but yeah. yeah, but it takes a lot of strength to um, not drink when everybody else is drinking around you. I mean, I always no, slough it's it. Hard r- if it, it took a long time for my friends to get used to it. The fact that you're not. Yeah, and oh, well, I'm not going to drink because you're here, and that was like. God, no. Yeah, gotcha. That's not what I want at all. Yeah. 
you know, so they're all fine now. <laughs> I'm a cheap shout too. <laughs> <laughs> but, it, you know, it's, it, it takes a lot of um, willpower mm. and it's amazing that, that you've done that and also the fact yeah, that a lot you, of fear you, as you well. seem happier. Yeah. And fear was the driver, do you think? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was always, always afraid. Everything was dramatic and then, you know, yeah. the only way to feel better was to drink more. So it was just constant. Yeah. But now yeah. on the flip side? No, I feel great. You look great. You I, feel great. I feel, I feel, never felt better mentally yeah. and physically. Yeah. And it, unfortunately it's, it's come this late in my life, but well, you know, whatever. Yeah, but that's okay because it's not late, is it? Because actually yeah. one of the questions I was going to ask you was that you being in charge of, you know, the <clears> team <throat> at Hero, there are a lot of kids, yeah, you're training <clears throat> them from, you know, woe to go and getting them up to speed. You <clears throat> know, how do they uh, react to you? Because there's, there, there's not many people, and I'm not, this is not, I'm not, I hope it's not an insult, but there's not many people that survive this long at the top end of the game. Mm. You know what I mean? They're out. I'm yep. out. You know, if yep. you think about it, I'm not in restaurants anymore and, and lots of people do that. Mm. Well, they don't know me. They don't know Karen either. They, we didn't, there were no, st- st- finding staff when we opened, it was like finding rocking horse shit, you know. There was just there was just no one. <laughs> there was no one. So the exec chef who's come who's come down from Sydney with the other with Karen's business partner, yeah, um, is Brazilian, and he fifty percent of the kitchen or more are Brazilian. So they don't know, wouldn't know Karen and I from. So they got no history. No, they're not they worried don't know about. Us. And they're all you know, young. They, you know, they don't know who we are. So we're I, don't know, I wouldn't say scary, but um, we know a lot. We we have standards that yep. we want to be met. It's been a, it's been hard to get them up to scratch, but teaching people uh, you'd know this, but p- teaching people from scratch it means you don't have to untake un yeah unteach them. Yeah. You know, un, they don't have to unlearn anything. Yeah. So um, once they get it, it takes a while to get them up to scratch on a on a task or you know a yeah. skill, but once they've got it, they've Got it. Yeah. So it's, it's, um, they're malleable, you know. And um, I think it's also quite special to be able to, because your skill set's so high, mm, you know, they know that when you teach them something, this is, yeah. you know, they're going to keep that for the rest of their career, right? Yeah. They, I think they feel lucky that Yeah. There's getting... a bit of privilege attached to it. And if mm. you're managing them, unlike any of those terrible stories that you told us yeah. earlier on in your career, then that means a lot, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, you know, a lot of, I think a lot of, a lot of chefs um, are treated so badly and, and, you know, they put through the ringer and they're terrorised. And then if they get through the gauntlet to the other side and they get to be in charge, it's like they've now they've got permission to be an unreasonable yeah. gaslighting bully, Yeah, you know, and that's, that's sort of the way it is. Do you think it's still that way? I don't know because I don't work with... Yeah. Um, but I think... I don't think it is still like that. I don't think people are allowed to behave yeah, like I that anymore. I don't think it is. I think it's changed so much in mm. recent years that it's probably almost, really quickly. Yeah, and have to, and had to. Yeah, it and it's to. funny there were you know when I've done podcasts before and talked to people about similar experiences. I went the other way. You know, I felt that I couldn't be like that. You mm. know, that I was going to try everything I could do not to be like mm. that. And it's really hard when you're in well, a good, but you were pressure in a good cop, situation. bad cop situation there yeah. for a long time. Well, also, well. yeah, but also I felt, and I said to Ray a couple of times, I said, but oh, come on. you were scarier because if you got angry... Yeah, but people, I used to say to him sometimes. Yeah, but I say to him sometimes, "I'll oh, go on, let me lose my rag because you've always lost. You know, I'm getting angry, you know the, you know and then the Ray would tire, lose his temper. You know the tire me. thing, <laughs> the wacky and inflatable yeah. arm guy. That's yeah. 
And yeah. I always felt, oh, come on, I just wanted to have a go there. Yeah. yeah, and I wasn't allowed to. And then I'm playing mum, you know, running around looking uh, after everybody. Look, yeah. I, it, it's, I think it's, you know, what I'm loving at the moment is that hospitality's got its shoulder to the wheel. I mean, I'm glad I don't have restaurants at the moment, mm. I'll be honest. I mean, I think it's just an incredibly tough we, business. We have had to jettison some some, some And hopefully things. some good stuff good will, stuff will and, come yeah, out of it, you know. And, cons, and maybe it will be, some of it will be, you know, people are happy to pay more for their food. They're happy to follow a little bit more structure when they go out to eat and be mm. guided by, you know, mm. I don't know what you're like, but I go out to eat, I go, oh, you just, you don't need to give me the menu if you don't want to. Yeah, yeah. You can just oh, yeah, tell definitely. me what to eat. I hardly I'll ever. Just mm. eat whatever you want to give me. Mm. And we know people aren't like that. But I think also there's upward pressure on wages, you know, so, you know, it means upward pressure on prices. Oh, yeah. And that's not a bad Absolutely. thing. But people, customers need to know that. So what? Do, what's next for you, do you think? Where do, oh, what I'm, sticking, where do you, I'm sticking around. You're sticking that I'm sticking around, yeah. Hero? Oh, for sure. Yeah, hopefully. That's what you're loving doing. I'm loving it. It's not been very long. And we haven't really gotten into the gotten into a rhythm yet. Yeah. We keep it's kind of you know. Yeah. And it's 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 just really fun. And I've got so much I mean, Karen Karen will text me a picture from somewhere and say, Oh, look at this, let's do this. So, you know, we're playing a, a lot. It's good to hear. And I didn't push your button about pastry chef. I've written it down here. Oh, and I just wanted to push start. your button because you know, uh, and I don't know whose fault it was, but I think it might have been Ella Wolf Tasker years ago called you Queen of Desserts, and it stuck. And then it just mm. annoys you, does? It really annoys me. <laughs> it annoys me because. And um, I said it to you when I went out. I said, "Oh, we didn't get to eat desserts," and you go, "You know, I'm not the pastry chef here." And I went. <laughs> Oh yeah, sorry. I apologise. <laughs> I am, but you're though, intrinsically but I am. linked. You're intrinsically linked to it. But you it's know like, that, don't it's, you? For some reason, if you're a chef, like a savoury, accomplished savoury chef, that's what you are. If you're a pastry chef, yeah, that's what you are. If you can do both, you're defunct to bloody pastry chef. <laughs> I am anyway. Like I'm, I'm pigeonholed as a pastry chef. Yeah, where I'm not. I mean, I am, but I'm. They're not mutually exclusive. See, she's upset people. So there's not many, I suppose there's not many people who button. can, who do do both. Uh, yeah, probably not. You know, and I actually. Not to the same level. <clears throat> no. You know. But I, no. And I've got your I pastry. slack. I, I looked I, at your pastry book this morning, right? Yeah. And it's full of really beautiful, precise technical mm. cooking, which is kind of what, and pastry cooking, which is what on, is on the menu at Hero, right? Yeah. And well, so I love that. That's, yeah. you know, I'm not trying to push your button. But that's definitely what I do. It's, I'm definitely a pastry chef, but I'm the other but kind I'm a of chef, chef too. as well. Yeah. yeah. So I do more. Yeah. I've got the whole echelon. Well, you know what I think, and I, and I think once upon a time the lines were very distinct. You're yeah. a pastry chef, you're a chef. Yeah. Now, for many, many reasons, mm. some of them staffing, some of them how we eat, others quite technical, you know, that the lines are blurred. You know, there was mm. that, there's that old saying that, you know, like uh, pastries are science, you know. Mm. Well, actually cooking is a science. It is. So we, we it look is at it now. Yeah. We look at it differently and actually the techniques that you apply in the kitchen yeah, it's all are the same yeah. as what you apply in the pastry kitchen. And so I think now it's much more kind of accepted that, well, you need the same disciplines. Mm. Whereas once upon a time, maybe the disciplines were slightly different. Well, I, I started to focus on pastry to make up numbers. Yeah. Because I planned to go into business with someone in the kitchen that had no pastry skills whatsoever. Yeah. But I got only the credit for the pastry there. Yeah, rather than. Yeah, but that's like, you know what? I but mean, I know both now. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, you know what? I think pastry now seems to have a... You know, it's the driver, I think, mm. a lot of the time in the restaurants. Like yeah. I, I actually genuinely was 
disappointed that I didn't eat desserts yeah. when I went <laughs> to Hero. Really. And only because, because I said to the waitress, mm. waiter, mm. you know, have we ordered too much? And she yeah. goes, no, I reckon that's spot on. And maybe because I'm just out of practice because of lockdown, yeah. I can't eat three, four courses. Oh, yeah, I know. And I, I, by the time I got to finishing main course, I'm like, man, I can't eat a dessert. Mm. And that's the only reason I said to you, you know, I'm sorry I didn't eat dessert. <laughs> and you go, you know I'm not just a patient. chef. I go, that's not what I was saying. I, do, I am disappointed when saying. people don't, don't have a dessert. We, <laughs> we did 180 people on Saturday night, which is our biggest yeah. night, and we did 85 dessert. But that's a huge amount of dessert. Out of how many? Out of 180. Oh, no, you've got to do more than that. Come it's on. It's a, hu- <laughs> a huge amount of desserts. Yeah, no, it's a huge amount of desserts. Huge. It, 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 when you think about uh, percentages yeah. of yeah, where, oh, yeah. Where, where you go and don't yeah, eat dessert. Yeah, you're half the dining room. Yeah. You know, the only funny thing was the fact that I never knew you were allergic to flour. Yeah, well, <laughs> I'm not. Is that true? Only topically. And you know what? Since I've stopped drinking... My skin's cleared up completely. Oh, and, there you go. And I think it must have been just it would irritate my ex, the, the fact that I had eczema gotcha. getting flour on it. But I, I'm not celiac or anything. Oh, God, help me. I, I, it, to, for chefs to have – chefs having food allergies, allergies terrible. and food dietary yeah. requirements is like, oh, it's awful. Yeah, it's like and a pizza fi- chef being and, allergic to flour. And also, that. you know, it's just up there with like chefs going out for brunch. Just don't do it. Or if you do, don't tell anyone. <laughs> <laughs> Philippa, thank you so much for coming in. No, and thank, thank you. you too for opening up about, you know, some of the changes in your life and all for the better. Absolutely. Because how brilliantly you're doing and how well you look too. Thank so you. thanks for coming in. And I don't know if I actually explained it at the beginning, but you are one of my food heroes. <laughs> and, and ever since that day, I think you coming in, rushing into Phoenix and you had little Donovan Junior yep. sitting on the marble bench. Yep. I think you rattled out something on the on the, the muscles, on the probably. machine. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> got it done. Said I'm out of here, and then out the door, <laughs> which wasn't the day you were wearing the pedometer that did 44,000 steps. <laughs> Not in our place, anyway. So thank you so much. Thanks, Gary. And now for my tips and tricks. And I did ask Philippa, she ran out of the studio. What's your top tip for cooking pastry? And she said, preheat the oven and ran off. Remember that one. But now for my tip and trick, and it's not a pastry tip, in fact. I had a great steak when I went to Hero and Acme, and it makes me think about one of my favourite things to make at home, and it's called a compound butter. Sounds fancy, sounds all too professional, but basically what it is is a flavoured butter. And one of my favourite things to mix with butter to give it instant satisfaction is whole grain mustard, chopped parsley, salt and pepper. And it doesn't just have to be mustard and parsley. You can put any flavour that you want into. You know, harissa spice or duka spice or something hot like chili flakes all work brilliantly well. And you can simply mix all of that together, have a little taste, and if it's delicious, put it into some cling film, wrap it up, pop it in the fridge, and when you need it, take a little slice and pop it on your grilled steak. What happens is all that delicious goodness just melts over the top. And let me tell you, you'll never look back. Listener.